0: Hey, Podcast Brunch Club. A quick thanks to our organizational partners. Lentigua Williams & Company, the production team behind podcasts like Latina to Latina, 70 Million, and Feeling My Flow. Podchaser, the IMDB of podcasts that offers amazing search and list creation. Audioboom, a podcast network featuring funny, inspiring, entertaining, and thought-provoking podcasts. The Ven which puts out a weekly playlist on the political issues surrounding the 2020 U.S. election. Critical Frequency, an all-women-owned and operated podcast network for independent creators and those who are often overlooked in mainstream media. And Listen Notes, a powerful podcast search engine that also offers list creation. Go find these companies. They are great for both content and discovery, and they support and give back to the listener community. If you're an individual or an organization, and you want to support the amazing listener community that is Podcast Brunch Club, think about becoming a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash podcastbrunchclub.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club Podcast. If you're new to the group, the Podcast Brunch Club is like a book club, but for podcasts. You can check out this month's listening list at podcastbrunchclub.com secrets. I'm Stevie, leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the club. Today we'll be speaking with Maeve McLennigan, the producer and host of The Tip-Off. The episode we featured this month was episode 18, All the President's Club Men. Maeve is a journalist for the Bureau of Investigative Journalism in London with a decorated career. She's published in The Guardian, The Observer, The Independent, and many other publications. In addition, she's made films for Vice UK and Al Jazeera, and radio documentaries for Reveal and the BBC. Maeve, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks so much for having
1: me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. I really enjoyed your podcast this month. Oh, thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about your career as a journalist, and maybe a little bit about the inspiration for The Tip-Off?
2: Sure. So I've been working as an investigative journalist for about eight years now. And the journalism scene here in the UK and I think internationally has really shifted and changed in that time. We've moved into an era where fake news is a all too common term that gets bandied about. So I often work on really long term investigative projects, things that can take weeks or months or even years to do. And you know, working on a kind of whole range of different topics, whatever they may be from international stories to really local stories. And I guess I just love that line of work. I'm a really naturally curious person, really nosy and a certain amount of kind of tenacity as well to keep going on them. And because I've worked so long in that line of work, I've developed lots of of friendships with other investigative journalists and, and lots of contacts and I would often go down to the pub, which is a kind of traditional British pastime here, and talk to them about their work. And often found that it was the kind of stories behind what they'd done that I found just as interesting as the output from their investigations, the kind of twists and turns, the frustrations that they'd had. And sometimes the kind of ridiculous things, you know, somebody undercover whose wig slips off and a child spots it and almost blows their entire cover. Uh, Those are the kind of things that I was hearing and laughing about in in the pub after work and just realized that, that maybe other people might find those interesting, both as a way to understand how the news is made, but also potentially to learn some of the techniques and the methods that are used so that they can better critique the stories that they're reading.
1: And how long have you been making the tip off? It's been
2: going for two years now. It started, you know, just as a, as a real experiment. I didn't know if 10 people were going to listen, if 50 people were going to listen. You know, I thought if, if more than my family listen, that'll show me <laughs> that I'm onto something. Uh, and in that time, it's, it's grown a, a great audience. I've been really delighted to see that there's real appetite to hear about these things.
1: So the tip-off is a very impressive endeavor and it's made very well. Do you make the show alone or is there a team supporting you behind this?
2: For the first three series, I did it all alone. Um, I taught myself to edit on free software. I bought myself a really basic, well, actually it's quite a fancy recorder, but I can only use the basic (laughs) functions on it. I did all the scripting myself and um, I roped in someone I know to make the theme tune. So it was a really kind of labor of love and also a kind of, you know, proper bedroom stroke living room project. And then more recently for series four and the most recent series, series five, I've been lucky enough to get some grant funding to allow me to bring in someone to help with the actual editing technical side of things, which has vastly spread up the process and improved, I think, the quality of, of um, sound design that we're able to offer.
1: That's really cool. I, I think a lot of amateur podcasters who may listen to the show might find it endearing that such a successful journalist as yourself Came to podcasting the same way as they did, you know. Let's let's see if it works. See if someone listens. And uh, I just got some equipment. And let's record.
2: I mean, that's that's the beauty of podcasting, right? Is that you can try things that you might never get commissioned if you were to bring them to a, a radio commissioning editor, but then they turn out to have audiences out there that nobody knew existed. And then the fact that you know the tip off won in its first year, it won best new podcast at the British Podcast Awards, and it was up against some really well-budgeted, well-resourced shows. Just recently, we just missed out. We were highly commended on an award that was won by the BBC World Service. And you know, when you're playing in the same field as, as, as those big dogs, then it kind of proves that this is a medium where, where even the little guys can punch above their weights, I guess.
1: Wow. That's really impressive. So I'm interested in what the process is for choosing the stories. With you being so successful with the tip-off, I feel like there must be journals just clamoring to be on your show.
2: Uh, it's been lovely to see that develop. So at the start, it was really calling in friends and, and workmates to to get involved, and those were the cases where you know I, I knew that there was a really interesting story behind it. Other times, I might read something and I can kind of read between the lines and, and think something interesting's happened there. You know, sometimes there's amazing, earth-shattering stories that are done quite simply, and sometimes there's investigations that haven't really had huge seismic impact but have incredible work behind them they're the harder ones to find and yeah more recently i've been delighted to see people reaching out and suggesting their investigations or the colleagues investigations as good options for the podcast
1: well i want to talk a little bit about the episode that was featured this month it was really great it reminded me of a classic investigative suspense film as you said in the episode hidden recorders lucky breaks late night stakeouts. But besides the details of the actual story, had anybody else taken the time to really tell the story of the work behind it?
2: So this was a huge scoop in the UK. It was kind of across front pages for days, if not weeks. It was kind of a story that everyone was talking to very much in the kind of the Me Too movement. But there was lots of talk about the findings. There was some talk, the FT did do some work talking a little bit about their methodology, but... I was left with all of these questions of, you know, what was that like going into the Lion's Den essentially? You know, Madison almost going in as bait, you know, she's there in a, a skimpy dress, having to go undercover, not knowing the extent of what she's gonna find, is a really nerve-wracking and strange experience. And I hadn't seen anybody looking into that. And then also I knew from past experience that undercover work is incredibly complicated and and isn't entered into lightly by any means and i thought it would be an interesting one for audiences that might not know that to know just how much planning and kind of legal wrangling and, and thinking that goes into before that so it seemed like the ideal one and i was absolutely delighted when madison um agreed to be part of it
1: do you know uh if madison had any background in undercover investigative work she makes it sound like she's so calm cool and collected
2: so madison was and is a predominantly writing about tax stories for the Financial Times. Um, her beat doesn't really go into the kind of sleazy world of, of corporate shindigs that often. And as far as I recall, I think that this was her first ever foray into this. Her, the investigations editor there was very well experienced in running these kind of investigations. So he was a great resource and we talked to him in the episode too. But I'm pretty sure that this was Madison's first ever attempt at at undercover and certainly to go undercover to this extent you know to have to go through a job interview and then have to take part in this event as well and as she describes you know to go in there you don't have a video recorder so you're trying desperately to kind of take mental photographs of everything you're seeing it was really you know jumping in at the deep end
1: that's so intimidating I, i mean i don't know if i could actually go through with it but it's a story you probably would tell the rest of your life
2: Right. I, I, I can't imagine how you would sleep for a week afterwards <laughs> uh, processing that. I've done little bits of undercover before and it's nerve wracking doing things that aren't even anywhere near that level. So yeah, hats off to her.
1: Yeah. I have one more kind of details question that you may or may not know the answer to. In your episode, you kind of talked about this secret underground group and then Madison went right in for the interview. I mean, how did they discover to get in for an interview, really?
2: So I hadn't heard of the President's Club before, and I think many people hadn't. It was very much an elite, London-based, very rich people event, it seemed. I think it was one of those events that amongst a certain group of people was probably uh, very well known. But it really came on her radar because a contact reached out who had worked at that event in previous years and pointed it out to her and then when they did some research into it they found that you know the who's who of I think it was the property industry and the finance industry were there which made suddenly made sense to go and do that investigation.
1: I suppose when you work with a well-known publisher you have those sort of connections.
2: Yeah although as I understand it this came from a personal contact that Madison had you know she gets this whatsapp message one day out of the blue that is from somebody that she knows from outside of the work realm. Um, And that's what I realized more and more from doing the tip-off is tip-offs come from the widest range of places, you know, friends, family members, people that you meet at a party. You have to be keeping your kind of eyes and ears open at all times. And similarly, trying to talk to sources that you think won't in a hundred years want to talk to you. And then you call and they pick up the phone and say, I've been waiting forever for someone to ask me these questions um yeah you know you can get to a point in this career where you feel a bit cynical or you feel like you're banging your head against the wall and then you remember stories like these and you think there are great important public interest stories to still be done that need to be told
1: well let's hear a little bit more about that um outside of this episode You just said that sometimes you get these uh, reporters, get these random tip-offs. Is there any particular episode in your series that had some really interesting details to it about how they came to the story?
2: So one of the most recent episodes we've put out is one of the favorites of mine, and it's an American journalist, actually, Jim Dirigatis, who worked for decades looking into R. Kelly, the singer, the R&B singer, and allegations of inappropriate relationships with underage girls. And, you know, I'd, I'd heard of that story. I'd heard of Jim's work on it. I hadn't realized it. it all started because of an anonymous fax that came into the newsroom addressed to him right before Thanksgiving. And he threw it on the trash pile with all of the other, you know, rubbish that kind of comes in as a journalist. You get hundreds of press releases for nonsensical things. You get hundreds of letters from people with wild conspiracy theories that have no basis in reality. And so Jim goes away over Thanksgiving and then can't stop thinking about what was in that message and comes back to it. And that starts him on a trail that takes 19 years, you know, ongoing of his life, looking into a huge investigation.
1: Back to how you select your stories, are most of the stories you feature on the tip off stories that have come to a conclusion or have you ever done a story that is still kind of developing?
2: So I try to tell a range of stories, both international kind of scoops that people might've heard of, like the Panama papers. I also try and feature really local, small scale stories of people digging away often with no resources, with no time and managing to do amazing things. They tend to be stories that have been completed, partly because investigations are really tricky. You don't want to be talking about somebody if it turns out that they have nothing to do with it, for example. You don't want to be getting yourself into legal issues, libel issues, if things haven't already been published. So generally, they're stories that have already been done because then it's much safer to know exactly, you know, the journalist knows exactly where they are, what came off and what didn't. You saw that a little bit with, you know, the first series of Serial, which was incredibly compelling, but they didn't know where it was going to end when they started and that has some kind of tricky implications one in your storytelling and, and two in your kind of journalistic practice of what you're putting out in a world without knowing what the conclusion is but i have featured there's one episode called burnt which i think is a really fascinating story of a journalist who is trying to do a story with a really interesting and intriguing source that seemed to be linked to the world of terrorism, and then turned out to not be who he was at all, and almost ruined this journalist's career. And so rather than it being about the investigation, it's about, you know, what happens when everything falls to pieces.
1: You mentioned earlier, the idea of fake news, and I I feel like I'm obligated to ask, if you see the tip off as a way to kind of push back against these well-known figures that cast doubt on trained journalists.
0: Yeah, I
2: think maybe it was, maybe subconsciously that I was getting quite frustrated that I, you know, when I'm working for six months to get the exact decimal point of a percent in the 14th paragraph that nobody's ever going to get to anyway. And then people are saying, oh, you know, everything's made up or, you know, indeed stories are going viral about the Queen's War, a funny hat, or whatever a monkey's done something strange in a zoo <laughs> when these stories are going viral and you're thinking there's really important work out here, it was an element of you know wanting to to show our working and and prove the importance of it. but I think there's also a kind of journalism literacy element to it as well that once you understand the techniques that are used, you can hopefully read the news or watch the news and understand a bit better. What to trust and what evidence you can fact check yourself as well. So that was certainly el- an element of it.
1: I don't know if anyone has thanked you personally for the work you do, but I, I as working in media myself, I, I've had a few sleepless nights about the people who give journalists a bad name. So I really do appreciate the work you've done with the tip off to hopefully glamorize the hard work of journalists.
2: Oh, thank you. I mean, I've been. In, it's been really fascinating to see people's interest in even what I think of the really mundane parts. So, you know, how you draft a Freedom of Information Act request or, uh, or how you get a right of reply, you know, you approach your subjects before publication. Even these things that are kind of standard day-to-day things seem to be of interest to people. So that's cool, even just to be sharing the knowledge and sharing the love of journalism. Like everyone I talk to, I'm a huge fan of their work and i'm really passionate about the stories that they're working on so giving them the chance and the platform to talk about them again i think is is really gratifying and i learn learned tons every single time so it's great
1: well let's move a little bit away from your episode so we're the podcast brunch club and we love talking about podcasts i mean most of our meetings just end with us talking about podcasts or sometimes we get like halfway through the meeting and don't even start talking about the topic So I was hoping maybe you could share with us, what are you listening to right now? If I picked up your smartphone and pressed play, what what podcast would I hear?
2: Yeah, that is a really good question. So one of my favorites that I'm probably going to listen to again, if not for the hundredth time, is In the Dark's series two. So In the Dark is part of APM and their second series was this incredible look at a cold case and you know I'm a bit sick of uh true crime cold case stories I feel like they have been done to death excuse the excuse the pun but um this one goes deep into the justice system and the flaws within it the kind of potential racist motives that have resulted in one guy being tried for murder six times and each time the case being appealed or or brought back to court, and it resulted in the case being taken to the Supreme Court, who ruled that there had been wrongdoing in the way that the the case was heard. And it's just an incredible one. The story is amazing. Two, the research that they did is breathtaking. The impact that they had is incredible. But the way that they take you through it as well, it is that kind of serial thing of you're going with them into the old abandoned jailhouse where the records are and you're sifting through the papers with them. What else? I love Criminal, which is a US podcast as well. It was a real inspiration for me in making the tip off this idea. of um, You can tell stories, even stories that people might have heard the general gist of the story before, but you can tell it in a compelling, interesting, really narratively beautiful way. Um, There's a good one here in the UK that I started listening to called Off Menu, which is two comedians talking with people about their favorite meal. I mean, <laughs> the beauty of podcasts is there's like there's you can sweep from the highbrow to the lowbrow <laughs> in seconds, can't you?
1: That's really awesome. I I've heard so much buzz about in the dark. I feel like I have to listen now.
2: It it, it <laughs> makes me like that's that's the series I want to make, and that's the kind of journalism I want to do.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, and I just want you to want to give you a chance to tell the listeners how they can connect with you.
2: Sure. So I tweet which is at Podcast, and I'm at Maeve McC. You can email tipoffpodcast at gmail.com and you can find the tip off on Apple Podcasts, on Acast and pretty much hopefully wherever you find your podcasts. It would be lovely, so lovely if people wanted to leave reviews for the show on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever they listen. That's so helpful and it's really amazing to see our listeners popping up in cities and countries that I would never expect them to be in. So I love it. And if people have ideas for stories that I should cover, please do let me know either through Twitter or through the email. I would love to hear them.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Well, I want to thank you for tuning into this interview. If you're a member of the Podcast Brunch Club, be sure to head over to podcastbrunchclub.com and sign up. We'll be back throughout the month with more creator interviews and our roundup episode with Adela and Sarah. Until next time, happy listening. Hey, Steve here from the Minneapolis PBC with a few credits. First off, please rate and review our podcast on your podcast player of choice. The music you heard today is downloaded from freemusicarchive.org. And this episode featured music from Chad Crouch with their song Rainbow. The ad music at the top of the show is from Ms. Algana with their song Paradise. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by a woman I can't praise enough, Adela. Sarah Da Silva is our other podcast host, the leader of the Houston chapter of PBC, and the founder of Audible Feast. Thanks to Janice Pinelli, leader of our online PBC chapter. She also writes many articles for the PBC website. Check them out. And thanks to Pia Piscatelli for all her hard work on our social media feeds. Lastly, audio editing is done by me, Steve Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening.